But we come tonight across all our locations to the final series of One Another. And I know at Mossman and at Oxford Falls, and I'm sure here, there's been some great messages come through about connecting with God and with one another. And tonight I want to continue that series because I think really that's what we're all here for, right? We wouldn't be here in church community if we didn't desire to connect more deeply with God and with one another. It's what it's all about. It's what brings the goodness, the richness in life. It's what propels us forward into our calling. But sometimes we struggle with how to do it well. You know, relationship breakdown, distance from God. Those things cause blockades in our potential. They cause blockades in um, our ability to connect with God's plan for our life. And so I want to talk about how we can make sure that we have a clear flow and a clear connection between ourselves and with God and with the people around us and with our calling. You know, it's always very refreshing to meet someone who's the real deal. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Someone who's just authentic. You see them in different scenarios and you think that person is the same there, they're the same there, they're the same in the pulpit, they're the same in the workplace, they're the same with friends, they're the same playing basketball out the backyard. (laughs) They're the real deal. Mick Sabat would have to be one of those people, (laughs) I think. My husband is one of those people too. I remember in my early 20s after a string of not so awesome relationships, I met Dave and once I got past his um, broad suntanned shoulders, (laughs) he's not here so I can say whatever I want, but once I got past that, and started to get to know him. I'd see him with his family, with his friends, in his workplace, with my friends, with different people. And what I realized is that he's the same person wherever he goes. He's the real deal. And I found it very refreshing because I hadn't been in a relationship with someone like that romantically. You know, obviously great parents, but for me it was safe. It was refreshing to meet someone that was like that. You know, I went to, he actually sent me on this mission the other day to go and finalise the tiles for our house. We're renovating our house. And I went to the tile shop and uh, I'd I'd forgotten to take all the information he'd given me and I'd forgotten, and my phone had gone flat. I was hopeless. I'm standing at the tile shop and I said to the lady, look, this is a bit embarrassing, but my husband sent me to finalise the tiles for our bathroom and kitchen and everything else, but I don't have any information with me. I don't have my phone. Um, He came in last week. He's tall. He's good looking. Anything ringing a bell? (laughs) And she said, "Um, tell me a bit more. And I said, told him the colour hair. I said, his name's Dave. And she said, Dave, I remember him. And then she starts talking to her colleagues around her at the tile shop like I wasn't there about my husband. And she's going, remember that guy? He was so nice. And they're like, yeah, I remember him. He was the real deal. (laughs) I like that guy. And then they're talking to each other. He's a real estate agent in Mossman. And I'm standing there going, I'm here. (laughs) Hello. I thought, I hope they speak about me like that when I leave. (laughs) But he's just one of those people that because of his authenticity, people like him. They're attracted to him. That's why he's good at his job. And I think that's how we feel around people that are the real deal. When there's no facades and masks, when you feel like you're talking to the actual person 
It feels very refreshing. And the thing about relating with God is that he wants to have that kind of relationship with us where we don't put up a mask, we don't cover up our shame, we don't pretend to be someone that we're not, we don't just come with pious prayers or whatever, we just come before God just as we are, the real deal, authentically flawed, (laughs) unfortunately imperfect, just the real deal and we come before God just like that. And when we have that kind of connection with God, we find that we come into his presence so quickly and so easily. The blockages are removed because God doesn't have to get around our pride and get around that cover we're putting over our shame. He can just connect easily with us. You know, I remember when I Um, had a few years in my early 20s where I'd left the church that I'd grown up in and I'd moved into the eastern suburbs, but I hadn't yet found a new church home. And I wasn't in church every Sunday because I was traveling a lot for work and I, I I started covering some of the pain that I'd had from my teenage years that I was processing. I started covering it up with my busy glamorous career and I started covering up with certain behaviours and certain attitudes and I remember when I came across C3 in Darlinghurst where I then spent the next 15 years, I remember when I first walked in and I felt the tears come. I felt like God just started stripping away all those covers that I'd put up, all those masks that I'd put up, all those pretenses that I had And I was the crier for 12 months. I was that one in the back row, snuffling away. And I didn't really know why for a while. But I felt like I was starting to become exposed before God for who I really was and where I was really at. And when I finally got to the point where I said, God, (laughs) I'm actually in pain (laughs) I went through a difficult relationship way too young. <laughs> I, I failed at this. I haven't achieved that. My friends are all getting married and having kids. You know, all the pain came out. And I just was able to stand before God and say, this is where I'm at. <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> and he started to do some great things in my world. He started to connect me and knit me with healthy, strong relationships around me. He started to knit me to his word that gave me strength and direction. And over time, before I knew it, I was back on track with God. I was running in my lane again. I was filled with joy. I was having a great conversations with God. I felt a flow in our relationship be revived again. And I was able to connect with members of my family and friends well and in a good and healthy way. And some of them decided to eventually tell me, hey, that was really hard with you for a few years there. (laughs) We were walking on eggshells around you. You were irritable, snappy. It was difficult. And I'm not proud to say that. But when I was able to come before God authentically and say, hey, this is where I'm at, he was able to take me into a fresh, soft, great place in my heart where I could connect again, love again, laugh again, live again, have joy in my heart, joy in my spirit and enjoy God's presence in a beautiful way. 
I actually want to look at the story of Paul and Timothy tonight. Paul would have to be one of the greatest legends of faith. And Timothy was his student, really, his spiritual son. I'm just checking the time. Um, And, you know, Paul went to spend some time in the town where Timothy lived amongst his ministry trips. And it was a very ordinary town that Timothy was from. And Paul went to visit. And Paul had to choose someone as his next student. He was changing direction in his ministry and it was time for him to choose someone to be his student. And of all the people he could have chosen, he chose Timothy. Now, if we had personality profile questionnaires online back then, Timothy probably wouldn't have come up trumps as the ideal choice. We can read about it. In 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul's encouraging Timothy, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. So Timothy was timid. In 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct, blah, blah, blah. So he was a bit intimidated about his age. The Bible talks a few times about Timothy shedding tears So he was a soft-hearted guy. So if you were a robust, go-getting, Pastor Phil Pringle type, globetrotting the world, preaching the word of God, would you choose a timid, intimidated, soft-hearted guy? I don't know. I wonder why Paul chose Timothy. And when Paul writes a letter to Timothy, Paul wrote letters to churches and to regions, but he also wrote two letters to his beloved spiritual son, Timothy. And he says to him, and I believe this is what gives away why Paul chose him. He says, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. When he says, my true son in the Greek, that word true which is pronounced nasios, anyone with scholar-type backgrounds, it's going (laughs) to, I checked it, like Googled pronunciation of, yeah, anyway, I think I got it right. That word true doesn't mean opposite to false, it means true as opposed to fake. That's the word he's using, my true son, my authentic son, my genuine son, my real deal son. And he says many times in the books, 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul says of Timothy, I remember your genuine faith. In uh, Philippians 2.20, Paul says, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. In Philippians 2.21, it says, all the others care for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus, but not Timothy. So he has found in Timothy someone who is the real deal. And when we're that kind of person, when we're that solid, authentic type, we are someone that God can use. We are someone that God can train. You know, it never talks about Timothy's talents or resources or incredible supernatural abilities. It just talks about him being true, genuine, an authentic man of God. Um, Paul esteems it constantly that he is the real deal. You know, great things happen when people are actually real before God because we can enter into the life that God has for us. You think about Timothy. He was the real deal guy, so Paul chose him. 
I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to look after you. I'm going to take you from where you are into where you cannot believe you could go if you come with me. So being authentic before God. This is how God wants to relate with us. Matthew 6, 6, the message says it really well. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. So when we're in that place where we're being as real as we can before God, when we've stripped off the false self, that's when we can sense his grace. That's when his grace overcomes us. And we can't have a very close, intimate, deep, beautiful, long-lasting relationship with God without his grace because we all fall short. In fact, we can't have a very real, authentic, long-lasting relationship with anyone without God's grace. It's so necessary to be in great relationships. We often think we have to put on a facade, you know, um, to look right to other people. But what it does is it actually blocks our relationships. It blocks our destiny. It trips us up rather than propels us forward. I think sometimes we think being vulnerable will actually send us crashing. But actually being vulnerable and authentic will lead us into great places. God delights in genuine prayers. Proverbs 15.8 says, God can't stand pious poses, but he delights in genuine prayers. Authenticity draws God. And we're also called to be authentic with one another. Paul and Timothy model a great relationship built on authenticity. You know, we can never live authentic lives without authentic relationships. It's not like those people are going to help us fulfill our calling. But just the stability that really good relationships bring us allows us to carry our calling. It's quite incredible when you have strong, authentic foundations, what you can do. Because the encouragement and the support to push us out, to step out, knowing that if all else fails, you've got a bunch of really good people right behind you, ready to catch you. Wouldn't you do more, (laughs) you know, if you're all alone? you're not going to do much. You know, we have um, a great guy in our church, Tim Foote. Some of you may have heard of him or not. He's a very successful man. He's actually um, my husband's boss and he's a very good friend of ours. We've been friends with him and his wife for 17 years. We do business together, church together, life together, raise our kids together. We have great relationship with these people. And when people look at Tim Foote, and I'm only sharing this because he shared it from the pulpit a few times, so I'm allowed. When he, um, he preached at our church in Mossman a few months ago, and, you know, people look to him in the community and people think he, he's, like, nailing it in the business world. He's nailing it in his family life. They've got a wonderful home. They've got a great life. They do great holidays. You know, people look to them as well. And he just stood there and he said, church... <laughs> It's not all good. (laughs) I've actually been through, you know, months, years in many seasons of depression, of anxiety. You know, I've had these bouts of depression that last longer than I think I can manage. But I've just gone to God like King David in the Psalms and said, God, 
this is where it's at. I can't do this without you. And, you know, I feel like he lives his life literally riding on the wings of grace sometimes because he's still spinning every plate, you know. Work's going well, family's tight, things aren't always great internally. But just recently he's come through that season and he's full of joy again. And I just think he's like a modern version of King David. (laughs) King David we read about in the Psalms. He wasn't perfect. In fact, he was far from perfect. He committed adultery. (laughs) He committed murder. He did some things that were, you know, pretty big mistakes. But he came before God and we read about it in the Psalms. Open, honest, vulnerable, real. And God was able to come in and still use him to be a great king, a mighty warrior because he was the real deal, authentic before God what God can do with us when we're real before him. Amazing. Living with a false self in one area or many areas can get exhausting. I don't know if, you know, I've got a few, the Mossman community is interesting, isn't it, Lauren? (laughs) There's, look, it's everywhere. But, you know, sometimes at the school gate, I think, gosh, I wish... I wish some of, the, some of these mums would just <laughs> come as they are. <laughs> so much makeup and all the clothes. <laughs> I just want to turn up in my active wear, <laughs> which I actually do now because it's easier than applying all the makeup. You're sort of legitimately without makeup. But, you know, this is when you get inside the world of these people, and these, this is a community we love. And, you know, I, I, t- I take these women home for a cup of tea and I walk in the front door and, the tears start, but when they walk out in the, fr- in the front door in the morning, they feel like they've, I've got it, I've got this, I've got it all together and don't dare you ask me how I am because I'll crack, but I've got, you know, that's the extreme, but I think we all do it in certain areas of our world, it's all right, I've got this, <laughs> but don't be like that before God and don't be like that with your close friends. Obviously, we don't walk around bleeding everywhere, but we've got to have some people around us that we can bleed with and say, hey, everything's not okay. I've had a relationship breakdown. I'm struggling with an addiction. I've got a real problem with obsessive compulsive tendencies. I actually can't make it through the day without having dark thoughts. I'm really struggling with jealousy. I just cannot forgive this person. I cannot say sorry. All these things just hold us back from the incredible, beautiful, free, joyful life that God has for us. Nathaniel Hawthorne says, No man for any considerable time can wear one face to himself and another to the multitude without finally getting bewildered as to which may be the truth. Isn't that incredible? It's exhausting. Do you know how we find out who we really are in Christ and where we're really at with Christ is we read this book. We eat it for breakfast. We eat it for lunch. We eat it for dinner. In this book, it's like a mirror telling us, you are loved. You are chosen. You are not okay at the moment, but this is going to heal you. (laughs) If we could just feed on this book morning and night, 
if we could meditate on it through the day, if when we're struggling we could find something in this book that applied to that situation and focused on that and not the problem, this is what brings us into an authentic relationship with Christ. It says our life is hidden in Christ. This is Christ. This is the living word. Our life's hidden in this book. If we get that revelation, we will not be able to stop reading this book, devouring it, finding ourselves in the stories, finding ourselves in that story about that man in the Bible. That's where I'm at right now. And what did God do with him? We're going through, in my connect group, we're going through women of the Bible. And it's like each week, someone really identifies with that person that we're studying And it's quite exciting to be able to go, there's always a promise at the end of that person's life. And there's always great scriptures to encourage people with. And we need to be authentic in our calling. When we're true to what God's called us to do, we'll find the greatest success and fulfillment. Authenticity will put us wherever God wants us. Like Timothy. Timothy was an authentic man. So Paul could see him. Paul could see him for what he really was because he didn't have any cover over him. You know where that comes from, that cover? I know some people are thinking, what, what's she talking about? <laughs> Sometimes I think what happens is we get wounded. We get pain. It come into our lives. Often not our fault, sometimes our fault. But what happens is if we don't process that pain before God and with others, We have to cover it up with something to keep going. It's like a Band-Aid. But what God has to do sometimes to get our attention, and it can feel cruel, but sometimes God's got to rip that Band-Aid off to let that wound heal. And I feel like there's seasons, and maybe that's the season for some people tonight, where you're feeling like God's got to rip that Band-Aid off. He's got to let that wound heal and it's not going to heal if you keep covering it with certain behaviours and certain obsessions and certain relationships and certain careers or certain things that you're good of or quick wit or, or whatever it might be that you use to cover that wound with. The only way it's going to heal is if God exposes it in his presence and allows the grace of Jesus the mercy of our Father in heaven to come in and place his hand on that wound and heal it with his healing hands of love and mercy and grace and acceptance. And when that wound is exposed before God in his presence, security comes back again. Those insecurities begin to fall away. Those wounds die and they get covered and strengthened with the grace of God. You know, towards the end of Paul's life, it was a week before his execution, he was in prison. It was treacherous. Can you imagine? Hard to imagine. Yet even towards the end, he was so confident about what God was doing. He was so secure in his calling, what he'd done so far and what God would do with the legacy he'd left. He said this, that's why I'm suffering here in prison. I'm not ashamed of it for I know the one in who I trust. And I am sure that he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Paul was a man who lived a life in obedience to Christ once he met, <laughs> once he met Christ. He lived his life in obedience to Christ. 
He knew who he believed in. He knew where he was going. Other translations say he was fully persuaded in his faith in the love love of God even to his death. Amazing man that even before his execution, he was still fully persuaded of God's authentic calling on his life, what he'd done and what he'd leave behind. And this is something, you know, that if we get this, it, it affects all the other relationships we've had. It's very hard to talk to someone. If you're authentic and you're being real, it's very hard for the person you're talking to to keep their masks up for long. It's awkward. <laughs> so if we are authentic people with others, it moves throughout our relationships and it creates authenticity within a group, within an atmosphere, within a connect group, within a church, within a community, within a city. We can start a movement of authenticity in this city. (laughs) And I'd love the church to be renowned for people who are the real deal in God and with one another. You know, I just want to offer the opportunity because there may be people who don't know if right now they're being real before God. You might feel like you've made a decision that you've, thanks, the band's just knows what to do. They're coming. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Getting too carried away. You might be in a situation right now where you know you've given your life to God before, but you don't know where you are right now with him because you can't hear his voice. You're feeling distant from him. It might just be as simple as coming before God and saying, God, this is where I am right now and I need you to come in to my heart. I need you to come into my heart. I need you to heal some wounds and I need to do some business with you. I need to talk to you. I need to receive from you. So I just want to encourage everyone to bow their heads right now just to take a moment to think about where you are really at with God right now. Are you hearing from Him? Are you coming before Him? Is He the Lord and Saviour of your everyday life? Is He the Lord of your future? Is He the Lord of your relationships? Is He your Lord in your workplace? Is He your Lord? above all other. I just want you to answer that within you so that you know where you're at and no one can hear it and there's no point hiding it because God knows that the acknowledgement that you make creates this beautiful atmosphere in your heart where healing can come, where wholeness authenticity can come in your relationship with God. If you've never ever asked Christ to be your Lord and Saviour, there's an opportunity to do that right now. If you want to raise your hand, we will make sure that you get prayer tonight. If you feel distant from God and you know that you need to connect with Him again in an authentic way, bring some stuff out onto the altar and lay it at his feet and say, here I am, the real deal before you.
and just raise your hand so we know. Or if you just feel like tonight you just need to make that internal decision to lose all the pretenses, lose the facades, let God rip that band-aid off and heal those wounds. Then let's just pray right now here together that that will happen. Father God, I thank you that you are here, you are present, you are ever present. Your grace and mercy has no boundaries. And tonight, God, as people's wounds have been exposed within their hearts and minds, I pray, God, that you would come, your grace would come, heal those wounds, soften hearts to receive you here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that this is a community of people with authentic relationships. This is the place where healing comes. This is the place where real relationships with God grow and flourish. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.